This is Season 5 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. This week on the show, one of our newest topics, games people play. We'll tell you the meaning behind what you dreamt last night and totally useless information's original expressions. (laughs) Plus, I'll have a couple of useless facts for you. Roy's mailbag and in news from around the world, a Florida man was arrested for indecent exposure. (laughs) And it wasn't Roy. Totally (laughs) useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Welcome to episode number eight with one of our brand new topics. Step right up here. Step right up, folks. Don't be shy. Move it. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy present Games People Play. Everyone has watched The Price is Right. The the Price is Right is celebrating 50 years on television. And uh, every time I hear the theme to The Price is Right... I could smell my grandparents. Not because they smelled. Yeah, I was going to say. But, but, it brought, did <laughs> but it brought me back, way back to watching it, whether I was home from school or maybe in uh, in the summertime. So 50 years. When The Price is Right came back in 1972, the new iconic catchphrase was, come on down, if you remember that. Oh, right. Well, according to Bob Barker in an interview, it started out as three simple words in a script. It was the announcer Johnny Olson. What a great announcer name, isn't it? Johnny Olson. That was really that was really his name. Was it the stage name? Is Johnny Olson. Come on down. Johnny Olson made it a sensation <laughs> thanks to his dramatic delivery. So thanks to Johnny Olson, he would name, you know, it's uh, so uh, Johnny, give us the name of the next contestant. He would say, "Roy Lacasio, come on down. You are the next he- contestant on the price is right." In World War II, the Germans allowed POWs, weren't they nice, the Nazis, to receive board games to pass the time while in the prison camp. Oh, yeah. It kind of was a civilized thing. The British government figured out how to send Monopoly games to the prisoners, but they would sneak real money inside the fake money so that the prisoners could buy their way out. They mixed maps in embedded into the board itself okay so that you could rip the top of the board off and there were maps on how to get out of the prison camp and get to the closest roads and so on yeah they also replaced the the iconic things that you would go around with and ones that had little compasses in them (laughs) (laughs) and other communication aids to escape okay so then think about this now the nazis did a nice thing Keeping uh, with the theme of the, <laughs> the Price is Right, all of my facts here for uh, games people play on totally useless information with Nick and Roy is to celebrate the Price is Right's 50th anniversary on television. The iconic Price is Right theme I talked about a little bit earlier, composer Ed Kalahoff wrote the iconic song for the Price is Right, but he's also written a lot of other music as a TV lover you'd recognize, like the Nickelodeon's Double Dare, the theme from the PBS NewsHour, and ABC's Monday Night Football. Are oh, you really? ready for some football? He wrote that? The same guy who wrote the theme to The Price is Right. Yes, ABC's Monday Night Football, Are You Ready for Some Football, was mm. written by Ed Kalahoff. And they're played so many times. He must get a royalty each time. Every time. That's crazy. Erno Rubik 
was an architect. Yeah. He was working on the modular block that would be able to move itself around. And he drew this thing up and he made a small little prototype and he used colors on each side of it so that he could know which sides were moving. When he finally mixed up all the colors, it took him close to, let's see, two months to figure out how to get him back. When he finally got him back, he felt so rewarded that he let his friends try it. He had invented the Rubik's Cube. Oh, wow. That's cool. (laughs) Have you ever tried to uh, solve the Rubik's Cube uh, puzzle? Yes, I actually did. Um, it was one night when we were all in, in uh, indulging in cannabis, <laughs> and I swear I did it in like 13 seconds. Sure, you did. But it was a couple of days later. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Wow, man, <laughs> that's great! Look at all the pretty colors." The blue one keeps going around. Wow, man. <laughs> so we're sticking to the 50th anniversary of the prices right here as you're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Games people oh, Nick, play. Come yes. on down. Come on down. So you're thinking, I'd like to go on the prices right. I could win like a, a new boat, a new car, all those trips. What wonderful prizes. But every contestant who wins something on the prices right is subject to taxation. Sure, they still get money or the items that they didn't have, I guess, you know, but the amount they keep is never as high as the amount stated on the show. The state of California, where the show is uh, filmed, recorded, sees that all the prizes as taxable income. So contestants must pay taxes on the products based on the retail price of whatever they've won. And apparently some winners turned down the entire prizes just to avoid dealing with it. And one man refused $10,000 that he won because he didn't want to relinquish half to his ex-wife. Right. And think about this, too. If you won $20,000, you'd be taxed at a much higher bracket because it would throw you into a higher tax rate. Exactly, because it's all taxable income. Yeah, Uncle Sam knows how to take it away. That's right. Come on down and bring me your taxes. Bob Barker giveth. The government take it away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The classic Nintendo game Tetris yeah. has been studied by morons. No, <laughs> 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 no, no, no. <laughs> by, by some 16-year-old kids in their parents' basement. No, the classic Nintendo game Tetris has been studied, and it has found that it helps relieve stress and also helped patients who had insomnia to eventually fall asleep. Really? Yes, they believe that the game, you would think it would be more stressful, but actually it's not. The paying attention to the screen, I guess, makes you more tired, almost like reading a book, which God knows these kids wouldn't do. But But anyway, yes, Nintendo Tetris found to help relieve stress and help insomniacs fall asleep. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Pardon me. I was just playing Tetris. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got lost I there for a second. Insomniacs, not maniacs. Oh, sorry. Thank you. I heard. I, I didn't hear it right then. Thank you. Uh, so finally, my last uh, fact here on totally useless information with Nick and Roy, the Price is Right wheel that we mm. love. The former producer, Roger Depkowitz, admitted that the wheel was implemented due to the popularity of another game show, Wheel of Fortune. Oh, so they implemented this wheel. And by the way, you know, the numbers on, you know, the the, um, 
A little bit of plagiarism going on there. Well, no, it was just it was an inspired idea from the Wheel of Fortune and the numbers, the font style. It was like they sat in a boardroom and they were like, "How do we get back at that pet Sajak?" <laughs> He's still going around. He's still kicking around. And let right? me tell you something. I hate the show, but I love that Vanna. Well, as of this recording, I just read something recently that, so if you watch Wheel of Fortune, here's a, a bonus, bonus, bonus fact. So on the Wheel of Fortune, you know, at the end, when they're going for the big uh, prize there, Pat sure. Sajak spins the wheel to find out what they're about to win. Well, exactly. they're changing the rules in this new season as we record this show uh, that Pat Sajak will no longer spin the wheel. They're going to let the contestants spin the wheel. Oh, how nice of them. Yeah, exactly. What so, difference does that make? Well, because the contestant has been spinning the wheel throughout the whole show. So I want Vanna to spin it. Well, she should, yeah. Well, no, she Actually, they should put Vanna on the wheel and then spin it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Actually, in our last episode, we talk about somebody wrapping somebody up. That's the thing you can use to unwrap them. That's right, in Wheel of Fortune <laughs> wheel. Plastic wrap now, if you ever wondered, because I did, uh, the, the numbers that are on the wheel, the big wheel, right, with all the price uh, numbers. No, I've never really wondered that. The, font, the actual font style used for the numbers on the big wheel is called price down. Price down. Yeah. That's the name of the font style on the numbers on the big wheel on the Price is Right. Wow, they're really downers. They come on down, price down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> guitar Hero. You know the air guitar game. Have you ever seen it? Yes. It's like, <laughs> okay, well, anyway, in 2008, it was introduced. Mm -hmm. And by 2010, it had sold over 3 million copies. Whoa. Two years, 3 million copies. 1.5 million each year. But did you know that it featured, the original game featured Aerosmith's music? In the two-year period of time, Aerosmith sold more than 40% more albums than they did prior to the 2008-2010 time. So did Guitar Hero make Aerosmith or did Aerosmith make Aerosmith? Mm, that's a conundrum. It is. What, a, <laughs> what an intriguing question as you're listening to totally. You know that I went to a school called Cardinal Spellman. Yes. And uh, Mr. Tylerino was the music teacher. Okay. And he was Steve Tyler's dad. Wow. Mm -hmm. There you go. So I was taught music by Steve Tyler's dad. Yeah. And how long did you last at Cardinal Spellman High School? I lasted uh, about eight months and they <laughs> threw me out. Because I was acting like Steven Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> and then you eventually went to uh, Christopher Columbus High School. Well, actually, the, the dean of students called me down and he said, you think you're going to graduate from here? Well, dream on, dream on. <laughs> and that's what inspired that song? Wow, isn't that cool? So Roy yeah. then went to Christopher Columbus High School, which is where we met over 40 years ago. And look now, look what we're doing now. Right. Had Look, I been a better Catholic, I probably would have never met you, Nick. That's right. <laughs> there you go. And speaking of dreaming, you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Shh. And now it's time for Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy as they present Dreams. Wake up. Wake up. Dreams. It's you. Wake up. It seems we can't read or tell time while dreaming. Almost everyone that was tested could not dream of reading something. 
Really? Could not dream of reading a page or see the page of, of, of letters that they would read. That's weird, right? Yeah. In almost every case, the people would say the clock, every time they glanced at it, had different times on it. So they gave up trying to figure out what time it was. So you can't tell time and you can't read. Sounds like a New York City school. <laughs> uh, Cardinal Spellman High School. Sounds like a New York City high school. There you go. There you go. If you're dreaming you're attacked by a dog, you know, use that's dog's best friend, isn't it? Boy, that's rough. <laughs> it's, it's a, I'll give you a leg up on the situation. Its appearance in a dream often reflects the, your role as a faithful and loving partner in waking life. Really? Yeah. You give unconditional love to your lover, hoping they will return equal amounts of love to you. However, you are disappointed when you feel that the love isn't the same. This is if you're attacked by a dog in your dream. Really? Yeah. These famous people say they dreamt of their creations before they actually made or discovered them. Oh, okay. Yeah, Nikola Tesla said he actually dreamt of alternating current Woke up the next morning, wrote it down, figured it out. He knew exactly how to do it. Mm, that's cool. James Watson was asleep, dreamt of a ladder that was twisting. James Watson later in, discovered DNA and the double helix, wow. which is wow. a twisted ladder. Also, Dmitry Medelev dreamt of the entire periodic table. He was a scientist. Before then, there was actually no periodic table. They just knew of these particular things, iron and silver and gold and he dreamt of the whole table in boxes and then woke up and wrote it down. The truth, actually, I dreamt of a movie, the entire movie. I woke up the next day and wrote down each individual part of the movie so that I broke it up into sections so that I would later actually write the movie. And what was the movie? Called The Knowers. The Knowers. Check it out. A-N-O-W-E-R-S. Yeah. Look, look on YouTube, Knowers, the trailer. There you have it. See? He's not just talented here on useless information. He's not only talented, uh, he produces movies. He's also a singer, so if you're in the southwest part of Florida at some point, check out our website, nickandroy.com, and you click on Music by Roy, and it'll tell you exactly where Roy will be when he's performing. He's very talented. I don't oh, know thank you, Nick. Yeah, no problem. It's very nice of you. Yeah. Uh, by the way... Um, <laughs> I love playing Pac-Man. That's where my talents go. Uh, if you're dreaming that you're seeing or you're playing Pac-Man in your dream, it represents some sort of habit or behavior that's taking over your daily life. You think? What? So yeah. Is that Pac-Man, Nick, or Pocket Pool? No, Pac-Man. Pac-Man. That's a different kind of habit. Now, here's a callback to... <laughs> One of the four, the previous episodes, and if you don't want to go looking through and listening to all the others, if you take your one, your finger and you put it in your ear, do it right now. Take your finger, put it in your ear, and scratch your ear and listen to that sound. Yeah. It just sounds. It sounds just like the little waka waka sound as the little going the guy the little ghost going around in the in the Pac Man game. Sound? Yeah, it sounds like the Pac-Man game. Just go. Take your finger, stick it in your ear, and just scratch. Imagine the guy who was doing it probably did that while yeah. he was working. He probably had an itch in his ear, and he was like, hey, I could use that sound. There you go. There you have it. Lee Hadwin is a nurse by profession, but at night, he dreams that he is an artist. And instead of sleepwalking, Lee gets out of bed while asleep, 
with a pen and paper and draws. He draws amazing, beautiful pictures. When he wakes up, he doesn't even remember doing it, and he doesn't know how to draw. Whoa. Okay? So Lee is either one of two things, mm -hmm. a savant or a weirdo. Or maybe he's dreaming he's under a palm tree. To see a palm tree in your dream represents tranquility, high aspirations, fame, victory, hopes, and longevity. It also symbolizes paradise and leisure. Perhaps you need to take your time and maybe go on a vacation and just relax under a palm tree. Yeah, well, I got news for you. I'm a skeptical person, and I don't believe anything anybody says. Yeah. And thank God for that, because most people other than me and you, Nick, don't know what the hell they're talking about. So let me do this right now so people know. Set the record straight. I'm right out right out in the open here with this okay <laughs> dream catchers yeah. the native american art form okay it's yarn have you ever seen one yarn yeah they're quite pretty around a wooden circle to yeah. look almost like a web like yeah. a, like a, a spider's web yes well i think they're pretty i mean i wouldn't have one there's feathers attached to it they're all different yep and i i don't like it but loads of people love it it's kind of cool mm -hmm. They all say the same thing. Well, it's there to catch the good dreams. That's not true. No, it's not true. Native Americans believe that at night, nightmares come to you. So the dream catcher would catch the nightmares. Not catch good dreams. It would catch a nightmare so, so that you wouldn't have it. Dream catchers are a good thing because it catches the bad dreams. Exactly. I woke up one morning. There's Freddy Krueger inside the dream catcher. <laughs> <laughs> let me out. Let me out. Okay. Um, so in as you're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy, we're talking about dreams and what they mean to see or wear panties in your dream. Do you do that, Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say these were my dreams. To see or wear pants. A lot of times, though, it's like, you know, people that write a song about, you know, they usually write a song about things that they do. So, you know. Yeah. But go on with your panties. To see <laughs> or wear panties in your dream represents your feminine attitudes and feelings. It mm -hmm. reflects a female point of view. To dream that you're taking off your panties signifies your ideas of sexuality. I think he's doing it now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we're not on video. <laughs> yeah, you're the only one who could see the Zoom call. It, I know. It may, My eyes are bleeding. It may also <laughs> indicate your need to get to the bottom of things. You oh, may, no, no, don't show me your bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and you may want to find out a way out of that particular situation. I do. I hey. do. <laughs> <laughs> Most certainly. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate all of you listeners listening to us all over North America, all over uh, Mexico. We have people listening from in Africa, in Sweden of all places, and of course in israel so welcome welcome to everyone to totally lose this information we are doing expressions a baker's dozen a baker's dozen means 13. this old saying is said to come from the days when bakers were severely punished 
for baking underweight loaves. Some mm. added a loaf to the batch of a dozen to be above suspicion. A baker's dozen is 13. Oh, wow. I just thought they went to New York high schools and couldn't count. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. It is. I like New York high school. Yeah. In a previous episode, we spoke of the meaning piss poor. Right. Which meant that a person was so poor that they would sell their pee to the local tannery. Or better yet, I should say the word urine. Mm-hmm. You're in trouble when you have to sell your pee. That's right. Okay, but they'd sell it to the local tannery. It was used in the tanning process of leather. Yes. So they needed urine. Well, here's my expression. A pot to piss in. Oh. You yeah. all heard that expression. I don't have a pot to piss in. Right. Well, guess what? It was for people who were even poorer than the piss poor. Oh, wow. At least the piss poor had a pot to carry the piss to the tannery. <laughs> <laughs> It was kind of like that thing, like we go, oh, we were so poor. You were poor. Yeah. I was so poor. <laughs> I was so piss poor. There you go. Wow. Can I borrow a bucket? <laughs> uh, this is this is uh, this show is really uh, becoming popular. Really, really appreciate that. Warts and all. Warts and all. Oh. Oliver Cromwell, who lived from 1599 to 1658, had his portrait painted. He was a vain man, but. He ordered the artist to not flatter him. He insisted on being painted warts and all. And that expression took. Hmm. Thanks to Oliver Cromwell. Oliver Cromwell. Yes, warts and all. Show your true colors, Nick. Last time I did that, I got arrested, but go on. Yeah, he had panties on. (laughs) (laughs) Or panties off, which is even worse. Rather have you with panties on. <laughs> Show your true colors. Yeah. Warships would fly multiple flags to try to confuse their foes. So if they were far enough away, they could fly any flags they wanted to try to make other boats think that they were from other places. Right. Or countries. Okay. But in order to engage, there were rules of engagement. And if, as you got closer and you were in firing distance, you were ordered to fly your real flag. And then, of course, the the other boat knew who you were. Mm -hmm. But at first, you could fly the the fake colors, which they called the flag's colors. And uh, But so you had to show your true colors. Ah, that's great. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Happy as a clam. The idiom originated in the United States in the year 1830. The idea behind that expression is that clams are happiest when the ocean is at high tide. Hmm. When the water is high tide, the clams are protected from birds. The derivation is more likely to come from the fuller version of the phrase, as happy as a clam at high water. Hmm. So it's not just happy as a clam. I think they were thinking about your pants. (laughs) High waters. I What was the thing? Yeah, people who wore uh, uh, pants that were too short, they would say, hey, maybe your feet should throw a party and write your pants down. (laughs) (laughs) What are you, pulling my leg? (laughs) Pulling my leg. Oh, wow. Pretty cool. I like that. Good segue, right? Yeah, great segue. Pulling my leg was to rob someone of the truth. It comes from the 8th century when thieves would actually pull people down in the street 
by their legs so they couldn't run away. So they would tackle them and pull them down by their legs. And then someone would hold their legs while the other person would rob their wallet. So they said, what are the, what are you trying to pull my leg? That Ah. is awesome. I like that. Well, except for the fact that the poor guy got his leg pulled and not his wallet stolen. And 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 then if they pulled the pants too hard and revealed his panties, he had more problems. Got beat up too. Yeah, <laughs> right. He made it though, right to the bitter end. The bitter end. Oh wow! Anchor cable was wrapped around posts called bits. The last piece of cable was called the bitter end. If you let out the cable to the bitter end, there was nothing else that you could do. So you had reached the end of your resources. The bitter end. Oh, cool. See, people, I mean, when you hear these things, they're cool because you hear these expressions all the time. Like, for instance, last night I cracked open a bottle of wine and I was three sheets to the wind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, three sheets to the wind. Okay. Three sheets to the wind is a sailor's term meaning hammered drunk. Mm -hmm. But it was because most sailboats at the time had three sails. And if they weren't tied down and the wind blew, the boat didn't go anywhere. The sheets just flew around because they weren't tied up. So if your sheets were flying around and your boat didn't go, the boat was like it was drunk. So they'd say, you're as drunk as being three sheets to the wind. Wow. Oh, by the way, there's another thing to this, too. If you were just a little bit drunk or tipsy, it would be called a sheet in the wind's eye. So if you just felt like you were a little buzzed or something, mm-hmm. you'd say, oh, I'm not three sheets to the wind. I'm just a sheet in the wind's eye. <laughs> and you're saying, watch your mouth. That sounds horrible. Yeah, I'd oh, say, yeah. hey, I don't give a sheet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if you do give a sheet, why don't you go to our website, www.nickandroy.com, and you can send us an email. It's really simple. Go to our website, which is what, Roy? Uh, nickandroy.com. www.nickandroy.com. Very simple. Nickandroy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? There's Roy now, just opening up the mailbag right now. He's opening up the envelope and... Okay, what do you got? Okay, as though they're actually paper. (laughs) (laughs) But that has something to do with this. Okay. Bill and Mary from Salisbury, Maine, by the way, went to Salisbury, Maine. Really cool. Had some awesome lobsters there. Yeah. They said, we love, love the show. Bill and Mary do. Thanks, Bill. Not much to do there in Salisbury, Maine, so (laughs) we're a hot commodity. Look out. (laughs) They said, how did Maine get its name? We can't seem to really find out. Wow. So I said, this is really crazy. So I started doing some research, and guess what? No one is really sure how Maine got its name. It was made the 23rd state as part of the uh, Missouri Compromise in the United States. Okay. It is believed to be named from Maine, France. There's a place in France called Maine. And so they believe that the French had something to do with naming it Maine, but they're not really sure and nobody really knows. It's just that everybody calls it Maine. So Bill, Bill and Mary. 
Keep listening to the show. Thank you so much. Nickandroy.com. Nickandroy.com. You're, you're now our main people. He's the main man. Yeah. Yeah. Bill's our main man. Yeah. And Mary, she's, well, a main woman. <laughs> hey, listen. Yes. Bonus. 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 Bonus mail. It's just in. That sounded horrible. It sounded like a thunderstorm, but go on. Yeah. Mailbag number two. Folks, you're in for a treat. Catherine from San Diego, San Diego, California, says she can't get enough of us. <laughs> get in line. Yeah. The line <laughs> forms here. She wants to work for us, she said. Oh. And sent us her resume. <laughs> really? Yes, I'm looking at it right now. And Catherine, I'll tell you the truth, you're really overqualified. <laughs> yeah, which doesn't take much. Yes. Yeah. So, but she says, I'd love to work for you guys in San Diego. So I said, let me um let me find out some facts about San Diego for her. Right. So here's what I found. Um, the zoo, San Diego Zoo, had the first panda ever born in the northern hemisphere. Nice. So that was something that happened in San Diego. The first driver across Coronado Bridge, the bridge that leads to San Diego, the first driver that went across that bridge was a man named Ronald Reagan. Oh. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Get ready for this one. Lindbergh, Charles Lindbergh, flew his plane from San Diego to New York before he flew from New York to Paris. So his first flight was from San Diego to New York, and that made a cross the United States flight. Then he went from New York to Paris, which was a cross-continental flight. What was his name again? Charles Lindbergh. I think I know what he had as a snack. He had cheese. <laughs> Lindbergh cheese. Lindbergh cheese. <laughs> Folks, Nick's saying Lindbergh cheese. That's right. <laughs> and speaking of cheese, you're listening. Funny of the third time you say it. <laughs> Hey, Lindbergh Cheese for everybody. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And now for something completely useless. I've got a couple of useless facts and they're kind of related. They're kind of go together. If you look mm -hmm. at your toothbrush, there are color bristles on your toothbrush. Yeah. And there's a purpose for them. They're designed to wear off throughout their use. And as the color gets lighter and lighter, it's to remind you to get a new toothbrush. Hmm. So when it turns completely brown, do you get rid of it? Yeah. <laughs> what? The toothbrush or your teeth? Actually, you know what? That was useful information. Yes. Here's a you second did. useless fact. Yeah, what? you help people out there, Nick. I did. Good for you. Good for you, Nick. Before you realize what color your toothbrush bristles are, you're going to put this little blob of, of uh, toothpaste on your toothbrush, right? There's a oh, name so for you it. Had two facts. Two you facts. had two facts. That's right. Two tooth facts. So if you lived in San Francisco, right. you would be considered the tooth fairy? <laughs> that's, where, that's, that's where the tooth fairy came from. Santa comes to the North Pole. The Easter Bunny comes from... Comes from Switzerland, the Easter Bunny's chocolate. That's right, yeah. <laughs> That's right. There you go. We got it all figured out. Anyway, that blob of toothpaste you put on your toothbrush is called a nurdle. A nurdle. 
It has a name. That's right. The little blurb, the little blob yeah, of kind of little twisty on it. Right. Too. The word of unknown origin was possibly related to nodule. Maybe that's where they got it from. It was reportedly coined by the American Dental Association in the 1990s to educate the public about proper brushing technique. Mm, a nurdle. A nurdle. Cool. That's right. Folks, write that one down. Now you can tell somebody, tell your your uh, partner in the morning, you could say, hey, you know what this is called? A nurdle. And they'll look at you and go, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nick and Roy told me as they were listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy today, we got into all sorts of trouble. We talked about dreams. We talked about games people play. And, of course, expressions. It's time for the news. Oh, no. From around the corner and around the world. This is TUI News. How dramatic. A Florida man has... Very important. It is very important. A Florida man has been... See, look, the way that I'm really reading this, like you see my eyebrows kind of coming together. My forehead is wrinkly now. Yeah, yeah, you look very, very studious. How dare you? A Florida man has been arrested on several occasions for indecent exposure. What? The charges were that he went to various toll booths naked. Naked. The Florida Highway Patrol said in the we're statement. In, we're in the South, Nick. We call it naked. Naked? Okay. According naked is a jaybird. <laughs> naked. This naked uh, man was arrested by the Florida Highway Patrol. And in the statement, they said the man was booked into the Osceola County Jail. Spokeswoman Kim Monty said the investigation was conducted by the state troopers. Okay, so he went to various toll booths naked. He was arrested seven times. Did he pay the toll at all? All seven Did instances. Because maybe he had hidden an easy pass on him somewhere. He didn't. <laughs> the seven instances of him going uh, on three days in a row around seven o'clock the same time every day, a man entered the cash lanes of the toll plazas. Okay, so he went to the cash lanes. That's so right. there had to be somebody at the actual booth. That's correct. The toll he had a plan. This man had a plan. He didn't just put an easy pass up there and do Kegel uh, exercise. No, he wasn't. Get charged like $35, $40. For a show. The toll workers told the troopers the man had no clothes on. He was, quote, showing his privates. Oh, no. So he said, can you imagine, too, when the guy said $1.50 and he went to go in his pockets? <laughs> <laughs> no. He, you don't want to know what he kept his change purse. Yeah, exactly. He was like, all I have is this. <laughs> 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 or maybe he had the Easy Pass barcode tattooed. Yeah, he was like the man thought he was Moses. He was shaking his rod. <laughs> <laughs> he showed his privates. He was identified through a photo comparison, and his identity was matched. He could not escape because okay. it wasn't See, his. In Florida, you're not getting away with this stuff in Florida. No, no, no. What we I. Have... He... What photo I, cameras everywhere. What I want to know is, what did they compare the photo to? Yeah, well, they said, you know, look, okay, check this out. You know, because the guy had done it probably like 35, 40 times, so they could figure it out. He did it, they said, several incidents and seven instances where it happened on three days in a row around 7 o'clock in the morning. 
He yeah. entered well, the at least he room. was consistent. I mean, the guy was always on time. So, you know, you know some people try to evade. Wait the a second. You had said in a previous episode that men are most amorous at like 715. So this guy was probably waking up saying, I got to go do something. And Seven, he said, Seven, let me get on the interstate. <laughs> That's right. Cash only lanes. My gosh. Uh, I don't know what it is, but every time I research news from around the world, 85% of the time it's someone from Florida. What is wrong with you people in Florida? Well, well, you know, it's warm in Florida, so clothes are an option. You That's know, right. We have a lot of naked beaches down here. Oh, really? That's how I met my wife. She followed the footprints and the line in the sand. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's all the time we have. <laughs> okay, folks, send some emails that's to nickandroy.com. Nickandroy.com slash complaints. Warning, the site may crash with so many complaints. I tell you, I don't know why people in Florida do this crazy stuff, really, honestly. We got a lot of lunatics here in Florida. Yeah, not the least of which is my co-host. There's one running around that looks like a mouse in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. This is all the time. Thank goodness with all the time we have for this episode. Talking. He's a talking mouse. Uh, that's all the time we have for this episode of Totally. There's something fishy going on at SeaWorld. <laughs> with Nick and Roy. Yeah, a lot of quack jobs there. There you go. Uh, yeah. Donald Duck went up and says, hey, just put it on my bill. Uh, we will scour the internet. <laughs> And other sources to find out more totally useless information for you guys. Why I found that funny. I don't want to <laughs> ruffle your feathers, but that's all the time that we have. Listen, folks, you need to tell somebody about this show. It could, it could really? be anybody. Yeah. Hopefully, they have the ability to hear audible sound. And go to nickandroy.com, too. <laughs> I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. We thank you very much for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit NickAndRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.